Hi, and welcome to episode six of the Still City Strings podcast. My name is Jeremy Bolton, manager of Still City Strings, and today I'm going to be speaking with violinist Matthew Salidas about what it means to be a freelance musician and how a freelance artist manages his life. Hailing from Wollongong, Matthew Salidas is a professional freelance violinist whose performance experience spans solo, orchestral, and chamber music repertoire. Commencing his violin studies at the Wollongong Conservatorium of Music, Matthew was a recipient of the Bessie Foskett Memorial Scholarship, studying with Scott Taggart. Furthering his studies, Matthew completed a Bachelor of Music performance at the Sydney Conservatorium of Music, studying with Evgeny Sorkin. Matthew currently plays with the St George Chamber Orchestra, Sydney, performing alongside members of the Australian Opera and Ballet Orchestra, now the Opera Australia Orchestra, as well as Steel City Strings in Wollongong, the Illawarra's premier chamber ensemble. He has appeared as a guest concertmaster with the Illawarra Choral Society and has also played with the Southern Shire Symphony Orchestra. As a soloist, Matthew has appeared with the Beecroft Symphony Orchestra in Sydney and has both led and directed a performance of Vivaldi's Four Seasons at the Wollongong Art Gallery. Matthew collaborates regularly with pianist Amelia Noack-Wilkinson and together they have presented many recitals in Wollongong at the Church on the Mall and in Sydney for the MacArthur Music Club. Matthew is also a dedicated violin tutor. Matthew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Good to see you here. Just some, uh, get an idea, let's get an idea of you, um, you know, for our audience here. What was your earliest uh, memory of music in your life? Um, for me, I think the earliest memory, I think of at least music that I responded to whereby kind of like my ears connect to my brain that connects to my feelings that says I like this sort of music I think I was in year four yep I was in year four when I kind of developed my taste and style with music and Mm. I had actually heard um the song Breathless by the Irish pop band The Cause Mm -hmm. and I remember that when I heard that song I was like oh this is great like I really like this song who is this band so not necessarily a classical no my 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 entry into into playing classical music was not i don't have this story of hearing yehudi menuhin playing the beethoven violin concerto Mm. and oh Mm. what was that instrument like that's not my start in music my start in music was actually through hearing the cause and then when i'd heard this song i had asked um because there was like music in the house i had a Mm. i had a sibling who has an extensive CD collection. So I asked him and I said, you know, who's this? Yeah. And he said, oh, this is the cause. And I said, they're great. I was like, I want to listen to more of their stuff. Mm. So um, I listened to a lot more of their, their music and being like, because they're of Irish background, mm. there were, they all played like, you know, traditional Irish music yeah, as yeah. well. And so I heard the piece when I explored more of their music, the piece that I heard was uh, Toss the Feathers, which is this Irish, upbeat Irish mm-hmm. um, instrumental song that, of course, features the violin quite heavily. And that's yeah. when I thought, what's that instrument? I want to play that. Mm. Like, that that was my entry into music. That's I had heard, I'd heard Breathless, and then mm. I explored the other music, and then I heard Toss the Feathers, and that's when I wanted to play the violin. Great. And so I guess that's when you were exposed to the violin itself. And then yeah. once you started learning, did you learn a certain method? What was your first lessons like? So, I mean, my siblings all played instruments, but none of them sort of pursued it as seriously as what I have mm. or anything like that. So um, I remember that 
what I had done was I had bought a violin with my pocket money. Mm. So I bought my first violin with what money I had. Mm. And then I just started sort of like mucking about trying to figure out how this worked. And my parents were like, he's not put it down for about four weeks. Like he, mm. it, it seems like he's pretty sort of like sold on, like committed and mm. wanting to do it. So they kind of, I mean, my parents, we didn't know about Wollongong Conservatory Music. So we just called the music shop where I bought my yeah. violin from. And my mum was just like, oh, do you have a list of teachers that we can contact? And of course, convenience was something that my parents wanted. So I started mm-hmm. getting my um, initial training with um, with one with one lady. And then... Um, and then you ended up with Scott. Taylor and then I ended up with, the and then I ended Wollongong up with Scott Con. at Wollongong Con. Yeah. Mm, mm, excellent. So when was your first encounter with professional music making? Um, I would say on any, like on some sort of a, sort of like a bigger level of playing. Mm. I think what had happened was um, Peter Copeland had come mm. to Wollongong High, mm. which is the high school that I was at. And he was um, recruiting people for um, the Southern Stars mm. Um orchestra Orchestra, and so he said oh what instrument do you play he kind of looked at me and i was like oh i i played the violin and he goes good we need you and i was like okay so i said yes and that's when i did southern stars and i really just like the thrill of making music and so Mm. i continued music in what capacity sort of that i was able to at that time which was i mean i was still getting my lessons at that time i was doing southern stars i did some musicals outside of that so you know, I started I started small, and although mm. my training was in classical, certainly what I was playing, mostly performing, wasn't classical, but I thrived off it. I wasn't mm. opposed to... Yeah, just well, I, I know you've done some stuff with George Ellis in Sydney, and yeah. you play all those gigs, pop orchestras, and it's I love crossover, like, yeah. crossover music. Growing up as a teenager, I used to listen to Bond, yeah. the Electric Quartet, who I still like, I still like their stuff, and... Yeah. And so, so that's sort of what we're talking about today. We're, we're talking about being a freelance yeah. musician, which you are. Yeah. And there are quite a lot of freelance musicians out there. We don't, yeah. when we go to and see an orchestra, yeah. we don't necessarily think, you know, you sit down at Sydney Symphony Orchestra for perhaps a Mahler Symphony. Maybe yeah. there's 120 players. Yeah. They're not all full-timers. Yeah. The, the core of the orchestra is... And then you get uh, orchestras like Australian Chamber Orchestra. When they do a bigger program, they hire freelance yeah. musicians. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the different stages you go through yeah. and the different skills you have to have. So tell us, firstly, um, creative career creation is what you've put down here. What does that mean? Look, I think that it's very easy to get caught up in what an institution sort of pushes you to do, which is, you know, you should be doing auditions and you should be getting into orchestras. And that's that's all wonderful. I'm mm. not ruling that out. That is a great sort of steady career But in path. reality, there's a limit to how many people can take those positions. Yeah, and there are just, like, not just in Australia, but globally, there are fantastic musicians graduating from music schools all over the world. There are way too many of us. Mm. And there mm. are way too many of us that could that any number of us could do those yeah. those orchestra jobs, but there's a finite amount of them. So what happens for if it doesn't eventuate? Like, what do you do with music? And I think that following sort of my graduation and auditions, I was sort of like, well, I, I really want to do music. Mm. So how do I make this, how do I make this work? So mm. I just sort of, um, I guess, like expanded my horizons beyond mm. playing just classical, which I yeah. do predominantly, but sort of, looking beyond that as well. And I think in order to be a true freelance musician, you have to be 
saying yes to as many gigs as you can possibly get. Mm, mm. So give us a, just a quick rundown on what that might include. So that might include, it might include, let's just start off with major symphony orchestras, chamber orchestra auditions. But then from that, uh, pop orchestras, you've worked with George Ellis. Yeah. What else does, what else does that entail? So they're, they're like casual gigs or yeah. like contracts. Yes. And then you go on to what other sorts of gigs, weddings? So yeah, um, I do, like I play at weddings, I'll do musicals. So I've done things with soap opera here in Wollongong, Arcadians, mm. and I've thrived off all of these opportunities. Mm. I mean, let's not forget, these are the people who didn't audition me to play in their groups but had the faith in me that I have the ability to be able to deliver and that's that's part of being a really a, a sole trader small business owner. yeah you are your own business yeah and you're running your own your own sort of career here yeah so there's all sorts of things you can do and you also do solo recitals yeah so um let's talk about um let's talk about budgeting that's a really interesting thing to talk about um because you have to run your own projects that's really important isn't it yes so what sort of projects have you done yourself? Well, I think if you want to if you want to perform, I think that the most important thing that you do is kind of isolate isolate the kind of music that you want to play. I think when you're a freelance musician, you also have the luxury of being able to be your own boss in a way, so you can choose who you work with as well. So mm. Um, for me, like I work with, um, Corella Mitchell, who's the principal cellist of Steel yeah, City Strings yeah. and Brad Baker. We, um, yeah, the trio. we recently agreed on a name. We're called the Phoenix Trio, everyone. There we go. We actually have a name now. So we can, <laughs> Wonderful. we can actually trade under a name now, which is good and program under Phoenix a name. Phoenix is a good name. Yeah. Well, the reason that that came about, it was Corella's idea. So it was sort of like in sort of like mythology, the Phoenix, like sort of dies and then rises again that mm. has been essentially what has happened with this trio courtesy of covid yes so it's well. kind of it's got like a nice little sort of i guess poetic and so in a project like that you guys have to work out your expenses yes you know and, and this is all run by you don't have some sort of accountant sitting no. in the back back corner no. of um, an office in wollongong you know this is you yeah. doing all this and so part of that is you know working out the marketing budget yeah. this that and making sure you all take a fee at the end Keeping the overheads low is usually the first port of call. I think if you want to make music your profession mm. and you want to make money so that you can live, mm. I think that it's very important to know that you want to try and keep your overheads low. Mm. This includes the cost of hiring, the space that you want to perform in, the programs that you need to make, all of the marketing that mm. you do outside mm. of that. These expenses can really add up. So you want to try and find the happy medium between getting the venue that you want, making nice programs, doing marketing, and mm. doing that with as little money thrown in from your pocket as possible because you want to be able to recoup it back. Otherwise, you're at a loss financially. Yep. And so I think that I've been... I, would, I mean, I do a lot of the sort of admin for myself, for mm. who I work with, with what we do in... The Phoenix Trio, I do a lot of that. So for me, I think weighing up those costs mm. and how many people roughly might come, are we going to break even? Are we going to lose money? Are we going to make money? So they're all like things that sort of filter through my head, but usually keeping the overheads low initially is the first mm. thing. It's a good principle. Now, the reality is time is money, being yeah. a freelance musician. 
and you're going to have to be a master of your own domain, if you yeah. like, be a, you know, a really strict on your own schedule. I know yeah. I have to be. Yeah. Uh, I'm, of course, still studying and you're yeah. out in the world. Yeah. Now, you have to practice every day and maintain your instrument, your yeah. abilities. But yeah. then you have to balance that with the actual activity that brings in money. How yes. do you do that? Um, okay, so for me, I would say, I mean, look, it would be wonderful if someone paid me to practice, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I mean, in in Russia, if you're a ballet dancer, mm. you're a government employee, you are paid to rehearse. Yep. So you actually have that support, like in a place like that. Here in Australia, it's a little bit different. So I think that what I do is usually, I do somewhere between three and four hours of practice a day. Mm. And then I will teach in the afternoon mm. and then I'll do all my admin at night. Yep. And usually that is my day so i keep my chops up to make sure that i'm playing at a high level so that Mm. people ask me back to play yep then i teach in the afternoon and look teaching is my steady income yeah teaching is my steady income and what performance work i do on top of that is extra Mm. um and then i do all my admin at night so that i'm not wasting daylight when i could be practicing with your for, peak performance abilities yeah, and you're rested. Yeah. And doing like a quieter activity that can be done at night, but still mm. part of my job. So all my admin usually happens at night. And that's the reality of being a freelance musician. I think uh, amateur musicians have a day job usually, yes. yeah. like a, a nine to five, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. And they have to do their practice at night or on the weekends. Yeah. And usually they have family commitments, all sorts of things. Yeah. And so it sort of falls by the wayside. Yeah. Um, so that's really important. You have to dedicate your time. And if you're giving that important time of the day to your practice then yeah. you you know that's a negotiation you have to make you have to be good like you have to be good if you want to get work yeah. like and i mean whether you whether you audition or not i think that's beside the point but i think mm. what flows through both of those things is that you must be good on your instrument to the level that you're being asked at so if you're asked to be a soloist mm. for a program mm. you have to be good at that if you're asked to jump in for a gig and you have to sight read music you have to be very quick on your feet you have to be able to do that yep if you're playing with let's say still city strings there are a certain number of rehearsals a certain number of concerts you need to be prepared you Mm. can't slack off once you get that music you have to practice it so that you have to be ready for the first rehearsal yeah Yeah. you have to like i don't know for me that's just part of my work ethic it doesn't matter what i do Mm. i just have to be prepared be prepared well be really good so that they can see that you are prepared mm. so that they ask you back. Very important. And I just want to touch on, uh, before we hear, hear from you, hear your playing, which will be lovely when you hear some Vivaldi, tell us about the skill set you need as a working musician. So this is, and I, I know about this too, but there's music arranging, there's copying, there's editing, transposing, leading musicians, organizing concerts. Tell us what are the, the most important other hats that you have to wear. Yeah, so um, I've been running, well, co-running a small business called Q-Strings, yep. which I um, have with two of my friends who have full-time jobs and who didn't pursue music at the extent that I have. Mm. But us three get along really well. We run Q-Strings. So as a part of... So Q- it's kind of one of, your, one of your projects, but a side hustle for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so for, for me in the group, like when we first started out, people wanted classical music at their weddings and mm. there's no shortage of f- free music that you can get that is for string ensemble that's classical. But beyond that, sort of doing arranging is something that I've had to do. Mm. So 
and often sometimes arrangements aren't done of every single song because it might be so brand new so and, and an arrangement just for the listeners is when you you might have a really popular song with yeah. a whole bunch of production drums yes and you have to reduce that yes. all that melodic material down yeah. for three instruments or yes. four depending on what you're doing so yes. that's a job in itself yes so for me, I mean, when I was at university, there wasn't a course on arranging that I took, but I know that arranging is something that's really big in the, in the schools in the States. Like that's, yes. that's something that is really big over there in the States. Well, and it's I, big in jazz music, interestingly enough. And that happens, uh, I know that happens at the Sitting Conservatorium. Yeah. I did an arranging and orchestration or instrumentation orchestration course, but that was more of a compositional yeah. Uh, way of doing things yeah. but arranging commercial arranging is very yeah. important you have you can you can learn it yourself can't you i mean you yeah do. that's what i did so yeah. like i sort of i think what i did was i would pick like a song that i know really well so mm. for me outside of listening to debussy and things yep. like that like i listen to dua lipa i vibe her like she's great so <laughs> excellent like, yeah so like i listen to her so in our trio one of our ventures that we're doing is we're actually going to go electric mm. at some point not not instead of what we do with acoustic but as an added service yeah. and part of that part of that is that not only do we want um arrangements of these pop songs that go with the backing tracks to be more of an upbeat kind of more of an act rather than a background sort of mm. thing that's another dimension to the business we're adding so in order to do that i was like well there's no shortage of pop groups that do that. So what is the edge that we can have to be able to do that? And um, I've done a couple of arrangements of um, some Disney songs because mm. I had a friend that when she got married, she said, I don't want any classical at my wedding. I want Disney songs. Mm. And she goes, can you sort that out? And yeah. I was like, yep, yeah, I can do that. Didn't have anything. So I was like, ah. Alan go. Menken, Howard Ashman. And I need the piano That's music right. so that right. I can start to arrange all the music. And so... Al, um, Alexandra and Stephanie, who I play with in Q Strings, really mm. liked those arrangements. And they were like, Matthew, they sound so beautiful. You need to do more of this. Yeah. So now in this business with what we want to do with the electric string mm. instruments, they're like, Matty, you have to do them. If you can arrange those pop songs in a similar light to what mm. you've done here with the Disney songs, they're going to sound so great. So that's something that I've been working on yeah. across the lockdown. And the reality is with weddings, right? Everyone wants all. Not everyone, but yeah. generally speaking, people want to walk down the aisle to Parker Bell's Cannon, right? Yeah. Sorry, I probably just made you, you know, vomit a little bit or something That's like okay. that. But uh, I, I know how um, triggering it can be for string players to play. I'm not one of those D. musicians that's triggered by it. I think. Well, good it, on you. I mean, that's really refreshing. I think that it's a privilege <laughs> that you get to play music and get paid for it. So you shouldn't be complaining about. It's a really what good. You're yeah. It's a really good good way to look at it and a good attitude. But the reality is at the reception. Um, when people are coming and taking their seats different dimension different dimension different you need dimension. to give that you need the pop music yeah you need those charts yeah uh, so very important skill there an electric violin will come in handy tell us about this Vivaldi or to here yeah so I think the in quotes the highlight of my career is um, this performance that I did of um, Vivaldi's Four Seasons at Wollongong Art Gallery so mm. I had initially learned all of the concerti separately when I was sort of growing up as a teenager. I yep. studied them with Scott. I did all of them just separately at different times whenever I was learning them. And then I put them away for a little bit. And then I wanted to, I wanted to do a concert of them mm. with um, a couple of my friends. So that was when I was at Sydney Conservatorium, I tried putting the concert on, but look, it, it didn't happen for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes that happens. That's part of being a freelance artist. Yeah, yeah and, but also when you're a student, the demands of, I think, tertiary study 
can get so great that oh, there's no room to sort of do those extra no, sort of projects. No. So I know what that's like. Yeah. yeah, like anyway, it didn't work out. So what happened was um, when I left, I was like, well, hang on, I've graduated now. Now I can pursue all my hopes and dreams and not be, <laughs> not be inhibited and things like that by yeah. other things. So I thought, okay, well, why don't I like see if I can get a couple of my friends together mm, mm. Um, and just try and find a way to be able to put this concert on and do it like in a really like tasteful way and yep. also do it in Wollongong. Cause like when I was sort of growing up in Wollongong, I was always kind of disappointed with the lack of classical music that mm. was in Wollongong. So I thought, no, I want to do it in Wollongong yeah, that's and great. that's it. Like I think that you're contributing to and, the local music. Scene, yeah. And just great. like, um, affecting change in that sort of way. So I kind of like prepared them all again. And with the help of, with a lot of help from a lot of my friends who believed in the project as well. Mm. I mean, I wasn't without help for this project. And it was enormous. Um, I think that day I was sitting on the door. I just volunteered on the yes. day to do the door, which was lovely. And yeah. it was good just to see all you guys just getting up there and having a good, really good go. And it was a lovely concert. It's yeah. a great acoustic in there. Very, it? very, um, very glossy. Mm. And, like, and, very, and the very Still glossy. City Strings has played there uh, quite a lot as well. A lot of yeah. our old concerts were there. Yeah. Um, I caught a couple of them before I got involved in working for the orchestra. But it was a wonderful concert. So let's... Uh, what, what movement we, are we hearing now? So this is going going to be the third movement of autumn which is um sort of colloquially colloquially known as the hunt so it's sort of like um i don't know every time i hear it i always think of that scene in mary poppins when it's animated where they jump into the chalk picture mm. and the fox is running away right and um there's like the the men and the women on the horses with like the hounds that are chasing mm. the fox mm -hmm. and like you know when the like I think, I think it's the guy on the horse. He goes, view, hello. And then the horse goes, yes, definitely. A view, hello. And they chase after the little fox. I always have that picture when yeah, I think yeah, of yeah. like the third movement of the hunt because they're, they're chasing their prey. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah, got absolutely. that kind of, it's got that kind of pompous dance sort of feel Beautiful. like the, the colonels on the horses and things like that with their rifles and things like that. So I always think of that. So that's Wonderful. what you're going to hear. Excellent. Well, uh, let's hear Matthew Salidas, the third movement of Vivaldi's Autumn Concerto. <laughs>
So Matthew, it must be really important to keep your confidence up being a freelance musician. Yeah. You're not on a full-time contract. Yeah. Uh, maybe that comes in the future. Maybe you're auditioning, auditioning for that as you're going through the process of doing gigs, teaching. So how do you keep that confidence within you going through the day-to-day life of a freelance musician? Look, I think that it's important to to tell yourself very early on that you are important as a musician and that there is a place for you. Mm. There is a place for you and it doesn't have to be in a professional symphony orchestra. Mm. You're not a failure just because you didn't get into those institutions. I mean, like I said earlier, there are so many wonderful musicians graduating from music schools the world over. Mm. Mm. And I think that there is a place for all of us, Mm. but the place in professional orchestras, because of there's just a finite amount of jobs, we can't all, I mean, look, every violinist that graduates from the Sydney Conservatorium of Music cannot end up playing in the Sydney Symphony Orchestra. It just isn't possible. But- um, There's a place for everyone, really. there There is a place for everyone and don't be afraid to explore your options to find your place. I mean, once upon a time I was I only want to play classical and that's it. I really limited myself to just classical. But then when I realized, you know, I I need to have a bit of variety. I think, Mm. not that I'm getting bored of classical, but I think that I need a bit of variety. And I think that it's the best decision that I made Mm. to be able to have variety in what I do. I can say yes and no to things as well. Yeah, yeah. Is the other, the great flexibility in being a freelance musician. And, you know, you say no initially and then, you look back 12 months later because you've said yes to so many things. Look at the vast array of projects that I had the privilege to be involved in and be paid mm. to do them, which, you know, and then I'm sort of like, yes, that that's how I know yeah. that I'm a professional musician that's living right. the freelance life. You look back and you yeah. sort of see what you do. My next door neighbors encouraged me to get Instagram. I was very yeah. against it initially because I was sort of like, oh, it's not really for me. Yeah. But then I got it. And when I looked back after a couple months, I was like, wow, like look at all the things that I have done with music. And that's a portfolio. Yeah. And like, yeah. for me, that's a way to track what I do. And just to be, I think privileged to have a vast array of projects that I've been involved in paid for and really actually like genuinely thoroughly enjoyed mm. and just having the variety has been I just think really good for my brain yeah that's it's wonderful <laughs> what, what I love about that attitude is it's it's 
I love that quote. I remember I used to, when I was in primary school, in the front office area reception. I always remember this. There was a big uh, thing stuck up on the wall, and it was pretty unremarkable in terms of the graphic that was attached to it. But it said, shoot for the moon, even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. And the reality That's is, really nice. for a lot of people, they get they go to the con or they, you know, and good on them, they go there and they go, I want to be, you know, I want to play in the, in the first section. And I go wanna, for it, why not? You know, and, and that's the reality, like, having a goal and work towards working towards it is what makes you happy. I've realised that, because I've always realised if I reach a goal, I'm not happy with it. I'm just like, well, I aimed for it, I gave it a go, and yeah. I got a bit lucky and I worked hard, but it doesn't necessarily fulfil you. I've always thought, and the more I listen to people talk uh, on podcasts, about on psychology podcasts or anything like that, you get your fulfilment in the journey there. I would agree with that. Mm. And I would say that I think I was very closed off for a period of time. Like, no, I need to be here yeah. in order for me to be a success, if mm. you will. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I actually think that, again, what you said about that quote about, you know, even if you don't hit the moon, you'll be with, you'll be amongst, yeah. you'll be amongst the stars. I think that, um, that is something that we need to be sort of teaching more in music, inst- in music institutions. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, a career in music is very nuanced. I think mm. it's very, very nuanced. It's Certainly. varied. It is all the it's colors. It's not a straight path. And it's all the colors of the rainbow. Yep. It's not just red or black or white or yellow. It's all the colors of the rainbow. Mm. And, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of joy to be had in mm. having the variety. I mean, I can only speak for myself that I have actually, when I changed my mindset, really came to enjoy the plethora of music related projects, whether they're classical crossover, um, wedding gigs, corporate gigs, it doesn't matter. Mm. I think the fact that I've had that variety has been something that I've really enjoyed. And I mean, I've got a lot to look forward to next year, what with restrictions lifting as well. Certainly it's looking very much up. I've really enjoyed this, this chat, Matt. It's um, been a very positive conversation. Tell us what we're going to hear uh, on the outro of this podcast. It's quite an important piece. Yeah, this one's um, a little bit of a violin fireworks. So this piece is written by the um, Spanish violin virtuoso um, Pablo de Sarasate. Mm. It is probably his most famous work, never mm. mind for the violin. It's probably his most famous work, and it's called um, Zigoinovizen, which translates to Gypsy Airs, and it's one of those... Standard repertoire virtuosic violin showpieces that sort of all of the tricks are in all the tricks are in the book, and there's just especially the ending. It's a little bit relentless, but certainly it's part of the excitement. Well, let's stay tuned for that. Uh, thank you for chatting. Thanks for having me, Jeremy.
Matthew Salidas there with Sarasate and speaking to me today about being a freelance musician. Thanks for joining us once again on the Steel City Strings podcast. Stay in touch with us on our social media channels, facebook.com forward slash steelcitystrings. On Instagram, we are steelcitystring, no plural. On Twitter, we are sc underscore strings and our hashtag is steelcitystrings. And feel free to join the mailing list to make sure you stay up to date with everything that happens with the orchestra.